No, it actually works really well. Um, just like that, it's another edition of the Shooting USA podcast. As promised, from the 2019 USPSA Multi-Gun Nationals at the Universal Shooting Academy, we're in the inner sanctum, the office of Match Director, Range Master, Shannon Smith, the man behind all of the courses of fire here. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. Good to be here. We've talked about it for a while, so it's nice to get together and do one. Been threatening to do this for a minute, and uh, we finally have the opportunity. There's a lot to talk about with regard to this match specifically. And the big thing for me that I am most impressed with is the adaptability of Universal Shooting Academy. Well, we do a lot of three-gun here. You know, we're not really known as a, a three-gun stop on the circuit, probably, but uh, we do the Area 6 multi-gun we've I've done for a number of years now. That's under USPSA rules. We've had three-gun nation here for a while. Uh, and then I do local matches every month. So uh, we're, you know, we're glad to have them here, obviously. We put in a new new range, a new long-range uh, area uh, specifically for this match, so that'll be nice going forward. And, um, you know, you don't get 1,000-yard shots here in Florida, but we put you in positions and put targets out there that are small enough that you still got to aim a little bit. That makes it fun. And I think that separate from this match specifically, knowing that you have that capability here for guys who might be members or guys who have access to Universal Shooting Academy on a regular basis, um, it's not just flat pistol base. Right. Yeah, and we got <clears throat> the one, the older rifle range that we've had, um, you know, when you design matches on the same base for 10 years, you start to learn, uh, you use them just about every way that they can be used. But uh, So that's one place we can get creative. We have a, a little jungle run. It didn't end up being quite as long as I wanted it to. Uh, just from a time management standpoint, but uh, at least once, at least one time, you can get out, run through the woods, run through the creek, and shoot some stuff on the move, and uh, so that, that stays worked out well. It makes it fun. You know, from that standpoint, I keep saying it makes it fun because it is fun. Um, there's a, that is a legit kind of a shorter, but very true to form jungle run. Mm -hmm. We, um, after I designed it and set it up, just looking at it, we were like, eh, this might be too much. The, um, the rifle's obviously a slower, <laughs> slower part. I mean, that's, the shotgun is not the hard part of the stage. You know, it's, it's right. shooting the rifle and timing out on the rifle. But uh, so we shortened it up a little. I mean, we've we've done longer runs through there, and we could. But uh, I really wanted that rifle long range aspect of it. And just from a logistical, you know, match management standpoint, we, we shortened up the shotgun run a little bit. But uh, still, you're out there in some a little bit of natural terrain. Sure. And you got a solid crew of guys that are running this match. A lot of regulars, a lot of faces that I recognize from having been here over the years. Yeah, they're amazing, man. I couldn't do without them. And uh, I get all the accolades at the end of the match and the emails and the Facebook afterwards. But <clears throat> I'm nothing without these guys. You know, they're they what make they're they're what makes me work. What makes me look good. What makes Universal look good. Uh, not only helping design stages and build stages, and but obviously coming out and working the match all weekend as well. We're sitting here in the nice air-conditioned office, and they're out there in the sun, busting their butt, and getting shooters through the match. That's right. Um, you shot through the match, uh, the match, or the the match staff all shot the shot the event two days prior. Uh, so you shot all twelve courses of fire over two day format. The regular match is running a, you know, a morning, afternoon, afternoon, morning, morning, afternoon format, and so competitors are seeing four courses of fire in a day. How big a balance is it, and how big an undertaking physically is the four versus the six, and then even like people like Carmen who came and shot all twelve. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, it's a lot. It's a long day. Um, three gun. It's a long day for pistol too, but you know, three gun is three times the work, three times the gear, three times the maintenance, and trying to keep everything running. And so, and we were full, full days with the staff. And we started at 
8.30 or something and probably didn't get done until after 6. So it was, a, you know, it was a long, long day of shooting. So just from a competitive standpoint, probably the 4 in the day, you know, is a better year, fresher, and you're not going at it all day long. Sure. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of different schedules out there, and again, this is the first time we've done the big show for multi-gun. But um, we run in what, what I call half-day schedule, what you just described. And then the other option is uh, uh, alternate schedule. Mm -hmm. So you shoot a stage, and then you're off for an hour. And then you shoot a stage, and you're off for an hour. And so it gives them more time to prepare gear, uh, get ready for the next stage, is the theory behind it. But you're also here all day, you know, here all day for three days. So I just kind of took a stab, took a gamble. I think the half day, I prefer the half day better. You're not stuck out here outside for you know, 10, 12 hours a day. One thing that I know has to come into the equation when you're setting up these courses of fire is how long is it gonna to take to reset? And in some instances, especially when you have true multi-gun courses of fire, like all three guns are in play, lots of targets need to be taped, lots of steel needs to be picked up, lots of clay birds need to be placed. How do you go about figuring which ones are going to work well and how do you remedy the ones that don't work well yeah uh, that is a challenge and <clears throat> some matches have a philosophy of everything should be pretty much the same time wise on a stage so that you don't have a backup you don't have somebody waiting uh, but I don't agree with that I think uh, I think there should be a test of you know we've got a stage out there that somebody's gonna break 20 seconds if they haven't already um, and then we got a couple of stages where people are getting 200 mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to do that without having a backup, and you know. But I don't consider that a backup. If we're turning the stages in the in the time allotted to turn them, uh, just because somebody's there waiting, doesn't mean that the, the stage isn't working. Doesn't mean that there's a backup. There's faster stages and shorter stages. Uh, but to answer your question, pistol, where I figure three minutes, beep to beep, I call it. So from the time you start one shooter to the time you start the next, right. I figure three minutes for a pistol match. I've done a 11 billion of those, so I've got that down pretty solid. And uh, three gun, I, I figured five, and I missed it. <laughs> so we're, uh, you know, I got an hour per stage with, with 11 or 12 man squads, but with the travel time in between, the walk through and the mess around time, getting all their stuff ready, we're running an <clears throat> hour and a half, maybe even north of an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So um, everybody seems to enjoy the match and, and what's going on. I obviously see the bad stuff. I see the things that I messed up, and that's one of the things that I messed up. So no big deal. I mean, we're running you know, two hours longer in the day than we scheduled. So not the end of the world, we got daylight, no, no problem at all. Just a note for future, you know, future matches that estimate that better. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that has to come with a little bit of, of maybe experience. Like you said, you've done so many pistol matches that that time beep to beep is pretty much ingrained and you can look at something and go, I know this mm -hmm. is gonna work or I know this might be closer to that three minute mark or whatever. This is a little bit new territory, and again, even more so as opposed to just resetting a stage and running somebody through, you have the additional time that it takes to load pistol mags, to load oh, rifle mags, to sort all these things yeah, out. You look at stage four, for example, it's three different bays right. with one gun in each. Right. So you gotta load, then move, then load, then move, then load. I mean, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that. They're, they're taking five minutes just to load the dang guns and get started, so. but, uh, you know, they got they got good staff there, a good crew, so they're they're rocking through it, and no issues. Just something yeah. I'll, I'll do gooder next time. Well, and, and that's part of you know that's part of developing maybe the resume of of hosting big multi-gun matches here and putting out mm -hmm. these different courses of fire. 
One thing that I've noticed here that might be a little bit different than some of the things we've seen, especially when we were doing like the, the IPSC World Shoot or IPSC Nationals here or the USPSA Handgun Nationals here, there were a lot of props, a lot of, a lot of stage props and a lot of moving targets like the slider and the double swinging no shoots and all of this stuff that gets constructed on the stage. These stages are a little, a little less prop heavy. M maybe that's my read on it. Is, was that by design or how did that work out that way? Well, the, the, the uh, bigger issue, I mean, we still got the swing and no shoots, that one left in, but one of the bigger issues is, is uh, the ability to activate it. Right. Because you can't shoot steel with a rifle inside of, our di you know, inside of the distances. So now you're down to, you know, shotgun. Well, if you just shot a shotgun, then what are you activating and what are you going to shoot with it? Right. You know, birdshot, you know, we, so we do what we can. You know, we got it, we got the flipper in there, we got that swing and no shoot thing, but that's an all pistol dilly. So that's, you know, pretty much just like it was from uh, one of the Florida Open matches. But, um, and then the reset, like you said. So we do have on, a, on 11, we've got some 60 yard rifle swingers, which I think is pretty cool. I never, never saw a swinging target that far away with a rifle. But somebody's gotta go down and they reset the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, so me, I probably a little less because of just the reset and physically getting down there and getting back. And we try to design stuff where you can start resetting ahead, you know, while the guy's still right. shooting, you can get the guns cleared and start, start re-taping, re uh, taping up the targets and stuff. But, but all the stages don't work out that way. Some of you just flat out gotta wait till they're done and they started loading guns. Sure, and that's one of the benefits of having, for instance, in a couple of instances here, we have a two bay stage where you'd run around the bay and into the next bay to continue the course of fire. And in one case, you got three bays, you know, in and out, in and out. Um, as far as moving those along, you know, once the competitor has left bay one and left his guns in the barrel there, those can be cleared and yep. you can move on about business, so. Yeah, not bad. So that one, that particular one is uh, pretty quick to reset. Right. Because of that, it's just slow to start. Right, it takes a long time to get everything set and staged and so on. Uh, just, everything just takes longer in three gun, man. It's well, I mean, that's part of it. It's three, three times everything, everything. yeah. And that's three long. times and the potential for disaster, three yeah. times. And I think the competitors realize that. You know, the guys that shoot three gun, the girls that shoot three gun, they would understand that. You know, right. They're not like a pistol guy where if you're sitting for 15 seconds waiting for a stage, they're getting antsy. You know, yeah. Three gun, you got stuff to do. You're changing out your shotgun caddies, you're changing out your chokes, you're cleaning the rifle, you're there's plenty of stuff to keep you busy to get ready for the next stage. It's a big deal to move a national match uh, out of a location, out of a range where it has been for X number of years or out of a geographical region and take it like, for instance, uh, Mike is saying to me that this is the first time that Multigun has been on the East Coast in 11 years. Um, it, it, does it come with pressure to perform, to live up, or do you just take it? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we didn't hit the numbers that I wanted for this match, but uh, it's probably to be expected with the big change. I mean, it was largely a West Coast crowd out there. Sure. Um, the champions, I mean, the, the, the pros are always going to go. They're going to go shoot it wherever it is. Um, so I kind of thought we'd pick up more East Coast people than we did, but... Um, you know, USPSA doesn't have the best reputation in the multi-gun world in terms of the, just the way they do stuff because they're a little bit different. And I think that hurts attendance a little bit. Uh, but, you know, Mike recognizes that and, and the, and the uh, Troy DNROI recognizes that. And we've talked about it ad nauseum this weekend alone. And so we're trying to do what we can within their framework to make it better. So my, my big goal for this match was you know, to put on some good stages have a good competition here, do a good job, and then let word of mouth take over. And, you know, people will speak highly about the match, and, and next year we'll, we'll get those big numbers. 
Um, and the other thing about three gun I'm, I'm, I'm gathering is it's getting pretty region, regionalized. Mm. It used to be there was, you know, two, three, maybe five big three gun matches a year nationwide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So everybody went to them. Well, now it's gained so much popularity that there's a whole lot more matches going on, and uh, three guns a pain to travel to. You know, if you're gonna fly, yeah, it's I, a lot of travel. I flew yeah. out to Vegas last year for the nationals, and it's just a, it's a pain. Um, so I think people are staying close to home because there's more opportunities now than there were, and they don't have to fly to that to that big match over here because they're gonna have a pretty good match here in, in a month or something. You know? Well, to that point, there were just you know in the last two weekends there were major multi-gun matches leading up to this one. So you know maybe some of those people who shot, traveled to, and competed last weekend didn't decide to make the journey down here into Florida for yep. this one. So there's, re there's really no way to project that or protect that, if you will, but... Uh, no, and there's risk. I mean, I'm, I'm a competitor too. I understand that. You know, the first time a match is at some place and you know, a lot of the West Coast guys probably don't know who I am as a match director and don't know my experience levels and um, it's costly. Flying across all the ammo, entry fees, and you know, maybe they didn't want to take a, take a risk on me. Let me do one. Right. <laughs> Give me enough rope to hang myself and then if I pull it off, they'll, they'll come around next time. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Right. So to that end, we talked about stage seven where it's a multi-gun course of fire. There are two shooting bays. You start, you know, however you want to configure your long guns, pistols in your holster. And at some point, I guess this morning, some competitors got through the minutia of the rules and determined that it would save quite a bit of time on that stage to just ground the rifle rather than run the rifle back forward and put it in a barrel. Um, when we talked about it for the show, you used the term, I don't see it as a stage break. I'm, I'm not going to call it a stage break, but I think everybody, you included, who had shot that stage prior and not made that move is going... Well, darn, I just got a 10-second penalty for not doing that move. Absolutely. Um, how do you see things like that coming? And what do you think that particular instance says when you're trying to run your resume through multi-gun? Uh, I got no problems with it at all. As a competitor, outsmarted the course of fire and, and you know, came up with a great idea. Uh, it's clearly within the rules. Uh, I, know, I know that's within the rules, but that's still never dawned on me to do it. Um, a little frustrating, though? Uh, no, I don't, listen, not at all, man. I mean, Maybe I mean, as a competitor? Uh, probably. I mean, Wanted I, to do it? I'm, I'm, <laughs> if you were to reshoot it, would you do it that Hell way? Hell yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, probably some of the pros that shot yesterday that didn't, that didn't do it are maybe not super happy, but you know, know the rules, man. It's, uh, you know, that stuff never bothers me. You know? and now, now, knowing what I know, that'll never happen again. Sure. You know? um, and it's not that I mind them doing it, but I mean, nobody wants to lay their $3,000 rifle in the sand, you know, where the brass is on the ground and all that. So, I, w I mean, I wouldn't create a situation um, to where that, where, where that would be the, the thing to do. Right. And, you know, I'm sure maybe some of the leadership is not super happy with it either. So maybe there'll be a rule change, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe that'll spark something where you, you won't be able to do it. But it, you'll see more of it now, you know, I mean, because there's, there's, there's a reason there's no dump barrel back there. Right. Because I wanted them to traverse that course. And I say wanted, like I don't, li I don't like intent of the stage design or any of that crap. You know, I put a challenge out there and it's your opportunity to solve it. But the reason I didn't put one back there was to, to create that down and back, down and back, down and back, right. which these guys avoided by coming up with that genius plan. Right, well, I, I guess if you look at it from the perspective of you've now exposed 
arguably one of the more finicky of the three guns to the sand and material that make up you know the ground here at universal right. you, that's a choice that's up to you you sure. want to do that hope you got you know good cleaning products on board yeah go sure. hoppy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no not but i wouldn't you know i wouldn't that'll definitely come into play in future stage designs yes you know, keeping that keeping that in mind and the reason honestly the reason i didn't have it's hard to explain without seeing it but um I didn't have a number back there is I always I'm trying to set people up for success I try to set people up to where they're not going to get in trouble right and if you're coming up range towards a barrel and you go to dump you know, it's very easy to, to break the 180 because sure. you're running up range so that's specifically why I didn't have one there but um, not that there's anything unsafe about that but I just didn't want to create an opportunity where you know it could get people disqualified the 200 second timeout um is that something that's written in the rules in USPSA, or is that something that we opted for, or how does 200 seconds become the number for this match? Um, a, a timeout is in the rules. Right. It has to be on a long-range rifle stage. Right. On a radar stage. It doesn't have to be 200. It can be whatever. The um, I've seen a lot of places do 180, mm -hmm. um, just from a minute standpoint. And quite frankly, the reason 200 became popular is because the pro timers roll over at 199.99. Uh huh. So that makes it easy. So to, it's going to beep automatically. Yeah, anyway. It doesn't beep, but it just, you can set a par. Right. Uh, but, but that's as far as that the pro timer is going to go. That particular timer only goes to 199. Gotcha. So 200 sounds like a pretty good max. I mean, I, yeah, I hate, to, I hate to keep harping on in hindsight, seeing as many timeouts as we have seen on the long range steel and the long range on the long range stages. Do you think there was anything to gain there by not necessarily running it that long? Again, we're only talking about maybe 20 seconds if it were 180 or, you know, right. maybe even if it were 120 seconds, you know, if it were just two minutes for the course of fire, well, you've only saved a minute and 20 seconds, but you've also probably hurt the feelings of a lot of the people that are here at this match. Cause I would, I would venture to guess that, you know, the typical run, across the board on stage one or stage 12 is going to be in that 140 to 160 second range. True. So yeah. is that kind of a balance? Uh, a lot of answers to that one. If I made the, if I made the, the timeout time shorter, there would just be more people timing out. Right. Um, you know, only, only way to solve that is to make the targets easier, closer, or the position easier. Mm -hmm. um, this is a national championship. It's supposed to be hard, so mm -hmm. get better. Well, there you go, and that's the point. I mean, that's you know, you got to keep we got to keep in mind that when you when you start the conversation about well, what about the new shooter? What about the less experienced guy? Well, okay, the less experienced guy is very welcome here. Keep in mind, this is the national championship, and we're testing. I'm here to determine the best. Yeah, I'm board. here to find the best guy. Yeah, and yeah. I run again. I run a ton of matches here. You know, you come to the Florida State Championship in pistol. And you'll see a vastly different flavor of match from from what you see for me, right? Because you come for the big ones, you know? right? Sure. Um, I does I do design the Florida State Championship for the for the D level shooter for the C level shooter. You know, there's no target in that match that that your average guy can't hit. They're still going to miss plenty, but right. there's nothing stupid out there. Uh, but then the bigger the match, the higher higher the competition. Ipsic Nationals, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Handgun Nationals last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm designing the match for the best in the world. Gotcha. I'm not designing the match. Now, like you said, they're welcome. They're super welcome. Um, I'm not that great, but uh, the match is designed for, for the best. And there's been some uh, 70s for sure, if, if, uh, but a lot of 80s and 90s over there on, on one. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I make it too easy, now the pros are going to do it in 30 seconds, you know. Yep. There was an interesting evolution there 
and you know again it's kind of difficult to portray over a podcast but the in the shotgun segment the jungle run segment if you will there were a couple of different ways a couple of different trails you could take depending on how comfortable you were shooting clay birds maybe 15 or 20 yards as opposed to running right on top of them and shooting them and uh, one of the fastest guys in the match uh, in the open division is Josh Fraley and he made his plan clear ran it by the RO ran it by the RO again before he did it and then he did it and he cut almost 10 seconds off of the time he spent shooting the shotgun just by reinterpreting how he was going to run through that first course of fire. I think the challenge on stage one is more about the long range rifle and the shotgun shooting and moving through that jungle run sand mix maybe was in place Yes, to test the shotgun on the move, but also maybe to get guys pumping yeah. a little bit before it was time to shoot the rifle long distance. Yeah. yeah, none of those shotgun shots are hard. Right. It's only one load. The slugs are ginormous targets at 50 yards. So yeah, no, that was just solely to, to get you Get that heart rate up. Yep. There was, that was twice as long before. Uh, we ended up taking that out, like I said, to, to save, save some time, but yeah, that's all. And I, I, again, the, the, big, the big, big dogs are shooting uh, that stage tomorrow. So I'll be interested in the feedback for that. I don't know if that uh, if that rope's too hard or not. Do you do much of that in your PRS? You've been messing yeah, so the difference with the with like a bolt gun off of a rope sling like that is gonna be the situation where you have a bunch of stuff to support yourself and the back of the rifle. Bags and stuff. And you know, unless you're in the open division, you're not bringing a bunch of bags and stuff with you. I don't think you can bring more than one bag in open multi-gun. I'm not 100% sure yeah, that rule. That. But, what was interesting for me in watching that was all of the multi-gun guys have extendable bipods to the extent where they can create a kneeling position behind a bipod that's 32, 34 inches tall. I and I'm it. like, I heard it. So it's what somebody brought up a three foot bipod. Yes. What? I'm like, I'm looking at that going, it's like we're on safari, we're hunting or something. All of a sudden it was, that was an unusual for me iteration of equipment kind of being the go-to as opposed to, you know, actual fundamentals of shooting and That's breaking for, a good shot. So it's yeah, there to figure out the best way to, to do let it. you bring all of your stuff and figure it out on the fly. Yep, I love it. Yep. The difference though, with regard to that rope slung rifle shooting area and sometimes when you would see a rope slung in precision competition is, if you see a rope slung in precision competition, there will be specific rules requiring the rifle to lay in the rope sling. In this case, there was no language about that. Many shooters who we were watching for the show either misinterpreted or just simply assumed that you had to shoot off the rope. And so many fought it, many didn't do well with it, some did okay with it. And it wasn't until somebody, uh, Ryan Muller, thought a little deeper into what was actually written in the stage description did a long bipod come out and he just ran into the position didn't use the rope at all and even the ro's were a little bit tripped up by that initially because they had seen everybody before him using the rope and so that required a reinterpretation of what's being said in the stage description where it was clarified that yeah the ropes there is an option you don't have to use the rope right um but that option exists because 
there are barrels and there's a banner that in you know that creates something that cannot be shot which forces you off of your belly so you're not going to make a nice prone position you're not going to make a and that's all i wanted you know. yeah you're not going to make an indian style seated position with both elbows down it, yeah in, in all honesty, I, you know, I, we just put that thing up, although it was in the design drawing, but we didn't hang it up until Saturday uh, or Monday or Sunday last week. Uh, so I've never shot off a rope before in my life. And, uh, and we, I set the, the stage description. We talked about what the range master at the start position was going to be back of the tank break, right. where it is, rifle in the barrel. Uh, and we cover that that's where the make ready command will be given. Mm -hmm. And then by rule, you can't leave the, the, the make ready position. Right. So not, not a single person out here touched their rifle to that rope until the buzzer went off. So, you know, everybody's sitting down there putting their hands on it and stuff. And just even doing that, I was like, oh man, this is awful. Yeah. My hand wouldn't even settle down. So uh, that's why we didn't say you have to touch it because I thought I was, I really thought I was going to do a sitting or a kneeling. <clears throat> I ended up using the rope and it worked out, but it was, uh, it was not good. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's a challenge. It is. And it's, one of those things where they're always positioned in such a way that they're just a little bit too high for you to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, and, and that's the fight. And that's what that prop is about. It's to make it a little more challenging. So job well done there. And definitely something to talk about for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And the other thing, like I thought maybe those are, what is that out there, 15 inch targets? Uh, was that four mils or something? Or four minute target? Uh, I thought that might've been too easy of a target. For a national championship, honestly, uh, which is where the rope came into play, you know, yeah. to really make it harder. Probably made it more harder, a little bit harder than I wanted to, but well, you know, but people I mean, are hitting it, you know. I mean, folks are, yeah, and there are guys that are running right through it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are going to time out, but the the big the big guys and girls are are, are doing just fine. Yep, yep. The hand thrown clay bird start on the all shotgun stage. Um, I've never seen anything like that, and. It's fun when you kind of ask everybody, hey, have you practiced that? Hey, anybody done this before? Anybody, well, how do you feel about hand throwing your own target kind of thing? Um, that's a neat little element. Yeah, I always try to, you know, I always try to want to give, give people something they haven't seen before, something unique. Um, but also being a national championship, uh, I don't like to, that's not the time to experiment. You know, I, I, want, I want proven, proven uh, ideas and whether it's how you score the match or who your ROs are or whatever you want. You want stuff that you're confident in for a national championship. Um, so pretty much everything here, except for the rope, um, we've done before. So I did that last year at the Area 6 Multigun, the hand, the hand throwing clay. And uh, I, did it, I did it at a local match prior to that. And uh, everybody loved it. But because it was an area championship, I, you know, I called Troy. I was like, I'm sure the answer is no, but are you allowed to throw your own target? And uh, he got back to me about an hour later. He's like, I've scoured the rule book. I can't find anything against it. There you go. I was like, it's perfect. It's all I needed. So, you know, so we did it there. I knew it was legal. And so we tried to, again, give, give, uh, you know, add an arrow target to the match and something fun, something different. I thought it was super cool. And See how many uh, people throw it behind him? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's on you, man. Throw it, throw it. <laughs> Once it's in your hand and he says beep, you know, or he says make ready, stand by, beep. If it's wherever you throw it, if you can hit it, great. If you can't, well, five seconds. Sorry about it. Well, that's it, man. That's everything I've got. Cool, man. You have to come down a day early next time and bring your guns. Yeah, or uh, or not. Whatever is <laughs> good. Hey, uh, stay tuned for more from the Shooting USA podcast from the 2019 Multi Gun Nationals. <laughs>